The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media, and we want to say a special thank you to our sponsor, Benedictine College, for making today's broadcast possible. Our guest today is Kathleen Allen. She's a Ph.D. who's an entrepreneur, an educator, consultant, speaker, author. She's a professor of entrepreneurship and the founding director of the Marshall Center for Technology Commercialization. She's written 15 books in the field of entrepreneurship and technology, and she's a frequent contributor to major media organizations. Her personal entrepreneurial endeavors include successful companies in commercial real estate and two companies that commercialize patented technologies. Dr. Allen served as entrepreneur-in-residence to a major aerospace firm. She currently serves as advisor to several private companies and is the director of a New York Stock Exchange company as well. Earlier this year, she was selected as Entrepreneurship Educator of the Year for 2014 by the U.S. Association for Small Businesses and Entrepreneurship for her substantial contributions to the national and international dialogue on entrepreneurship education. Welcome to the show today, Kathy. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. When you won the award, one of the accomplishments you were noted for when given the award is your significant innovations in taking the field of entrepreneurship beyond just the business school. I want to talk about that for just a minute. I mean, first, what does that mean? And second, why is it so important? What it means is that um, today entrepreneurship is uh, have gone so far away from the business school uh, that we're seeing it in the arts and in the sciences. But when I started doing it back in 1997, very few people were doing it, perhaps MIT or Stanford, but we were one of the first to be able to partner with our School of Engineering and our School of Medicine to work with the researchers there, um, bring business students into the team, and help them commercialize their technologies. Mm-hmm. So, so really what you're advocating or what you're talking about is a cross-disciplinary approach so that you're not just going, you're bringing the techniques of entrepreneurship, the spirit of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial learning to various disciplines, not just because you're taking a course on entrepreneurship, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, some of these other disciplines, the students today in the arts and the sciences are really enamored of entrepreneurship, but yet they love their discipline and so they want to spend time in the laboratory and they want to spend time creating. So we teach them how to partner with business students so that they can understand entrepreneurs, they can act like entrepreneurs, but they don't have to be the business person mm-hmm. on the team. Mm-hmm. Why is that important, though? Why is it important for somebody who's studying English or history or uh aerodynamics for that matter, why is it important that they have this entrepreneurial exposure? 
You know, for the very reason that that I became an entrepreneur in the first place, mm-hmm. because my background actually started out in foreign languages and music. Right. And, and so, um, but I knew my goal was to be in charge of my life and to design a career that had options. And so when I looked at a music student or I look at a computer science student or, or an engineer of some type or a student in the health sciences, you know, today the chances of them getting the job they want and staying in that job for their entire career is, is really slim and none. Mm-hmm. And the more opportunity they have to learn how to create themselves, for themselves, a business opportunity, um, the, the more success they'll have in thriving in their career. So even a musician at some point gets involved in business. Yes, yes, that that's very true. I think sometimes we forget that uh, art, there's a business side to arts or a business side to uh, the different scientific endeavors. I mean, it doesn't do you any good to invent something or to come up with uh, some exciting new research if you can't do anything with it. But at the same time, we don't want these people to leave engineering or the arts to focus solely on business and entrepreneurship because, in fact, unfortunately, we are seeing a little bit of that happening in engineering and it's sad because we need people to do the hard stuff, the creation stuff. And so that's why we give them a taste of entrepreneurship, just enough to be dangerous, but right, also right. Enough, enough to be able to talk with entrepreneurs and work with entrepreneurs. Well, I think the other thing that is probably eye-opening, too, for somebody who is in, in one of these other disciplines when you hear about entrepreneurship, a lot of times it's romanticized and and that it's uh, easy, that you make a lot of money, and that's not true most of the time for, for most people uh, who are entrepreneurs. That doesn't happen right away, if ever, and so it, it helps these people to know what they're getting into should they decide to create a business themselves one day. Absolutely. I think more than anything, um, it takes persistence. Because you will fail. If you don't fail, it, what it means is that you weren't doing anything that was probably worth doing in the first place. True. Um, because you have to stretch a little bit to be able to start something that has a chance. It's such a crowded marketplace today that um, you've really got to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's stay with that for just a minute. What does it take to be a successful entrepreneur in today's marketplace? I, I talk to entrepreneurs day in and day out, and somebody sees a gap, or they, they were working for somebody that they didn't think was, they were trying to solve this gap, but they didn't think they were doing it the right way or the best way, so they went out on their own to do it their way. Is that still true that you can? That it's as easy as that? You see a gap or you see a different way of doing something, so you head out? Well, I think it is that, but it, but it has to be more than that. I think the biggest thing you have to do is you have to solve a real problem, a real compelling problem that customers have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem that I see today and why the failure rate on so many ventures is, is high is because they're not solving real problems. I mean... 
How many more Instagrams do you need? You know, <laughs> Kathy, I couldn't agree more that a lot of these these new entrepreneurs that are coming along and it's the next social app instead of something that's really going to make an impact on society. You know, how many more of those can we accommodate in that in that crowded field? Well, it will continue to happen as long as there are investors who are mm-hmm. willing to invest in them. And that will continue uh, as long as we have companies like Google and Facebook that are acquiring these apps, these companies. When that changes, then, then that marketplace will change as well. But, you know, when, when students come to me and say, I've got the greatest thing, it's the next Facebook you know, I try, <laughs> I, I bet you get a lot of that. Them to think about it a little differently because Facebook has already been done. Right, <laughs> right. And, and when we don't need another one necessarily, what do you think? You said until it changes. What What do you think it's going to take to change that so that students, that, that young people who are interested in technology, who want to start a company? see some a bigger picture than the, the social network that you might see as you're coming out of college and your friends are all important? What do you, what do you think it's going to do to change that? It, what it's going to take is someone who develops something radically new in technology that creates a whole new platform of opportunity. And what that is at this point, you know, it anyone could say, and it could be in any area of technology. But um, until that happens, people keep developing off the same Mm -hmm. platform that we've had for years, which is the Internet. And so, you know, that's going to continue. The whole mobile mobile trend is going to continue for some time to come. And there are some good things um, happening there. But at the same time, you know, we've kind of moved away from make, being makers um, in in our society in terms of entrepreneurship, and we tend to go more towards service. And um, ultimately, that that has big ramifications, I think, for for our economy and and for society as a whole. What are some of the trends that you are seeing when you talk about? opportunities with technology other than um, the Internet or these social platforms, what are some of the areas you see as ripe for exploitation? Well, uh, a lot of people are looking at technologies that will that will help people that have a, a big impact, for example, that, that may help disabled people mm-hmm. uh, communicate better through technology. One of my colleagues at USC have developed a robot that can build an entire house in 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. And this has been, you know, a 15-year research effort that is now coming to fruition, and it has the potential to, for example, in parts of the world where it might be ravaged by an earthquake Mm -hmm. and, and all the buildings go down, Yes, they can put up shelter quickly. NASA is looking at it to be able to build on other planets. So it's the people doing things like this that have huge impact, but they're hard. They're hard to do. I run across those things all the time. Oh, sure. and, uh, but, the, but the newspapers, unfortunately, 
spend most of their time talking about the the Internet-based businesses, which seem to be the sexy, attractive ones right now. They are, and they're easy to grasp, and they're easy yeah. to, well, and they're easy to market and, and to the masses. I mean, how you can take Facebook and get, I don't know how many millions and millions of users they have now, but, I mean, try to explain something, the robot that you just described, to the average person and their eyes gloss over, you know? So. I know, I know. But, you know, it's interesting. Lately, we're seeing um, Facebook's numbers declining a bit. Twitter's numbers are declining a bit. It's kind of a almost a generational thing because, you know, people get tired of some of these things, or they feel like it's taking up too much of their time. One of the things I've been hearing consistently is, you know, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be so much more productive, but all these technologies are really sucking up all my time. Oh, it's a double-edged sword in the way, I mean, go back to something as simple as email and the fact that we can now get it 24-7 through our phones. <laughs> it's it's something that you're at, actually, it anchors you uh, as opposed to giving you those those pieces of freedom away from the company that you used to have. So right. it, it's a double-edged sword. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, I want to pick up this whole idea of entrepreneurship, cross-disciplinary, and whether, whether or not entrepreneurship is something that you can actually teach to people. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. It's true, who you know is important, but what you know and how you apply that knowledge is what helps accelerate your career. Benedictine College's Executive MBA program is the only one-year executive MBA program in Kansas City. The North Johnson County campus and weekend class times are convenient and allow you to learn from world-class thought leaders and collaborate with other executives who intend to make a difference in their business and their community. Go to benedictine.edu slash EMBA. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're speaking with our guest today, Dr. Kathleen Allen, Ph.D., who was recently selected as the Entrepreneurship Educator of the Year for 2014 by the U.S. Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. And we're talking with her today, getting her thoughts on the cross-disciplinary aspect of entrepreneurship teaching and imparting entrepreneurial way of thinking to arts students, to science students, not just business students. And the question that I have now for you, Kathy, is is one that's just debated constantly, and that is, can you really teach entrepreneurship? Or is that something that is inherent in a person, that they that they get grown up with entrepreneurial parents or because of circumstance? Is it something you can really teach? Well, I, I obviously believe you can because I do, but, but I want to be very specific about what I think you can teach. I don't think you can teach the passion and persistence that it takes to actually conceive a venture and get it launched. Um, just like in any, you know, if you're going to be a great musician or a great artist or whatever, it takes persistence and practice and and that and those are things you cannot teach people. You can tell them they need mm-hmm. to do it, but if they if they don't feel it, they're not going to do it. They have to have that motivation. But what you can teach are the skills that it takes 
to do entrepreneurial kinds of things like how do you find opportunity how do you how do you create an opportunity um, and how do you analyze that opportunity and do some critical thinking around whether this opportunity has value for customers how do you go out and talk to customers to find out what their needs are you know, all of these very specific things that entrepreneurs do, like designing a business. Yes. Those things, those things you can teach. How to write a business plan. Yeah. What you can't teach, you can give students the opportunity to learn execution, um, but it's not something you can actually teach. You have to, you have to facilitate it, give, give them situations. For example, in one class I teach at USC for graduate students, uh, and it's cross-disciplinary, um, they get a business ready to launch within 15 weeks. And so they have really driving goals that they have to meet. And some students just get to the end and say, I'll never be an entrepreneur because I just don't have what it takes to go through that. And that's a good think, outcome. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely a good outcome because then we turn it around and say, but... Here are the skills you learned along the way. You can apply those skills in a job. Right. You can make yourself more competitive in your career. Yeah. So there's huge advantage um, to people, I think, taking entrepreneurship for that purpose even if they never intend to start a business. Absolutely. And again, that that deglamorizing, the unglamorizing of it is is so important. You you can have the best skills, but if you're not a person who can stomach whether or not you're going to be able to make payroll or whether or not that loan's going to come through from the bank or you're going to get that big account from the prospect that you thought you were going to get and then you didn't and you you have to go to plan B. Uh, if you're not the kind of person that can stomach those kinds of things, then it's better that you learn in an environment like you just described than in real life when perhaps you have your savings invested in it and you have a couple of people on payroll who are also going to be part of the fallout if you fail. So. Right. And and kind of my, my approach is that well, students will often say to me, well, do you think my idea is going to be successful? And I never... I, even if I, in my gut, think it's not, mm-hmm. I don't say that. I give them the experience of finding it out for themselves. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's very painful. But, but they, you know, if I just tell them it's not going to be successful, um, that's not going to do it because a real entrepreneur is going to take that and say, well, I'll show you how it will be. <laughs> but for students who just came up with an idea that is pretty much a clone of something that's already out there, they need to find out for themselves that they won't be able to compete. Now, I know that you're a big proponent of the cross-disciplinary entrepreneurial education, but that's not the standard, if I can use that word, the standard way of thinking uh, when it comes to education in our country. And I'm just curious, do you think that our traditional educational system is hurting entrepreneurship with its emphasis on standardization and conformity and linear thinking? Yeah, I do. Uh, we do because 
when the students get to the university, you can tell that they've been trained as linear thinkers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's why I try to give them opportunities to use the right side of their brain and to think more creatively and to embrace failure. And I don't think they're allowed to do that in their education. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe there are fundamental things students have to learn, like math and, and right. language and, and all of those things. But thinking about how do you create options for yourself in life so that you can be in charge of your career instead of somebody else being in charge of it, mm -hmm. yeah. um, I think is very valuable. Do you think um, do you think you have to wait until you get to the college level though in order for that creativity to take place? Do you think that there's any room in the high schools or even at lower levels to well, start? Well, actually, yeah, I believe this? there is, and and many high schools are incorporating entrepreneurship. I actually have a high school textbook that is done well in many areas of the country where they feel that entrepreneurship is important for their students, particularly where you have students who may not go on to college. You know, that isn't their, that isn't their goal in life. Yeah. And they have an idea for a very, a business that has potential. So, and then organizations like NIFTI, the National Foundation for Teaching Entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. which focuses on high school students in inner cities, those kinds of programs really inspire students to take control of themselves in their lives. It's a difficult thing. I mean, we have an educational system that's charged with educating the masses and not individuals. And yep. so the things that you're talking about right now are very individual. And and so there are examples, as you said, of, of some successful programs, and I, I personally believe that we need more of that as well. In the little bit of time that we have left here, what do you think right now is the biggest issue that's facing entrepreneurs, and I guess by extension then entrepreneurship? I would say it's on the side of those entrepreneurs who are trying to do the hard things, that are inventing and who are creating things that are brand new. The hardest issue they face is finding the resources to be able to carry those new products forward, to build prototypes, because... Most investors don't invest at that stage in an entrepreneur's progress. True. So they wait until they've actually got a product. Well, that takes a lot of capital. So um, that's really one of the biggest challenges I run across on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard someone say something once that was very interesting, and that is the municipal and the public organizations that we have in every city, the city halls and the libraries and so forth, to attract these investors that if these, if these public spaces could be display areas for some of these inventions and new technologies that when the public passes through or when a potential investor passes through a city hall or a, a library or wherever it may be, right. a public space, that they could actually see it on display and working, that if we could get more of of our um, public institutions involved in being a a showcase for, for these technologies, that some of the investments might come. But it's kind of a, a cart before the horse kind of thing. How can you 
get a prototype to a point where you could put it in a public area like this. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it's it's just a, a chicken and the egg, cart for the horse sort of thing. But people like you who are out there doing this work are uh, very appreciative of all that you do. And if somebody would be interested in talking more with you about this topic, how would they go about contacting you? Probably email is best. My Marshall address at USC, kallen at marshall.usc.edu. Okay, well, thank you so much for your insights today. We really appreciate it, and good luck with everything that you're doing. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at IThinkBigger or like our Facebook page, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.